Thanks for joining us this morning for our Christmas Sunday online only worship service. Grab your family, gather all around together, and worship with us as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Amen.
just want to take a few minutes to share with you some scripture and a few thoughts on this Christmas Sunday. In Luke chapter 2, the Gospels give us a picture of the nativity of Jesus. It starts in verse 4 and it says this, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of King David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. This is a familiar passage of scripture, and it's something that sometimes we can gloss over the meaning behind the scriptures because we become so familiar. We all have seen the Christmas cards, and we've seen the Christmas plays, and we've seen the Christmas movies that talk about the nativity and the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And because we become so familiar with it, I think sometimes we miss the meaning behind what's going on. And we can even get some wrong ideas about what the nativity was really like. You probably think like me, when we think of the nativity, we think of a picturesque, wooden, rustic stable that looks like something off a greeting card. And we think of that manger that's made perfectly for a little baby to have as a cradle. And we think of just this beautiful, clean, almost sanitized version of what really happened. But the truth is, the reality is, is that it probably wasn't very romantic or picturesque. In fact, it was probably pretty miserable for Mary, for Joseph, and maybe even for baby Jesus. And so we can kind of miss what's really happening. But here's the thing. I believe that there are no coincidences with God. I believe God does everything with intentionality and with purpose. So I think it happened exactly the way it was supposed to happen. Here's the scene from a more historical and biblical perspective. Stables during Jesus' day were not these picturesque wooden warm structures, but instead likely where they kept the livestock would have been in a cave or an outcropping on the side of a hill or the side of a mountain outside of the village. And so if Jesus was born in a stable, it wasn't warm and beautiful. It was probably a cold and damp and dark cave outside of town. And then even the manger would not have been a handcrafted uh, wooden cradle with some hay in it. But instead, archaeologists have found actually mangers from around Jesus' day around the city of Bethlehem. And they would have been large pieces of limestone that would have had a trough carved out of the stone so the animals could come up and eat or drink water from the trough. And when we think about a swaddling cloth, what we think of when we swaddle our babies is a large large warm blanket that we wrap the baby in, but probably it would have been scraps of linen rags that were in long strips. And Mary would have taken that strip, those strips, and wrapped them around baby Jesus to provide warmth and to provide uh, that tight, close uh, feeling that every baby likes. And so that's more the picture, a cold, dark and damp cave, a cold stone trough, linen rags, That's how Jesus came into this world. But again, I don't think it was on accident. And I don't think that there are ever coincidences with God. Even down to the location of Jesus' birth, Bethlehem. 
The word Bethlehem in Hebrew literally means the house of bread. The house of bread. And Jesus was born in the house of bread. And it's important to remember that as Jesus gets older and begins to preach and to teach, he would tell his disciples, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Jesus is saying to his disciples, because they know bread is not a side dish and bread is not an afterthought. Bread in their day and in their culture is necessary for survival. Bread is the source of our food. It's the source of all the calories we need to make it through the day. For them, it's the main course. It was necessary to have bread in order to survive. And so when Jesus tells his disciples, I am the bread of life, he's saying, I am your source. I am your supply, not just of this natural physical life, but I am your source of eternal life. So I think God on purpose made and arranged things so that Mary goes into labor in the house of bread as she delivers into the world Jesus Christ, the bread of life. And then she takes this bread of life, this source, this supply, God in the flesh. She wraps him in swaddling clothes and she places him in the manger, in that trough where animals were used to eating. See, even in placing him in that trough, God is saying something to us and saying, he's your source, he is your supply. Feed on him for everything you need for eternal life. That's who Jesus is. And when I think about the baby Jesus wrapped in linen cloths on a stone manger in a stone cave. I can't help but think that Jesus' life ended much in the same way as it began. Because as Jesus grew up, he began to preach the kingdom. He began to heal the sick and raise the dead. He announced to everyone that the kingdom of God has come and that salvation has arrived. But the very rich and the very powerful didn't like his message and they arrested him and they crucified him. And though he had been a person who had never sinned and though he had lived a perfect life, he died a criminal's death for you and for me. And after he died on the cross, they took his body and they wrapped his body in linen cloths and they took him and laid him in a stone tomb. So he entered this world in a cave wrapped in cloth and he left this world in a cave wrapped in cloth. But just like God was up to something in the stable in the cave in Bethlehem, God was up to something in the tomb in the grave in Jerusalem. And so Jesus is resurrected and just like Jesus' birth was announced by angels in Bethlehem, Jesus' resurrection was announced to those who came to the grave on Easter Sunday, again by angels. So his birth almost foretold his death. His birth gives clues and shadows and, and hints at what Jesus is going to do and who Jesus really is. He's the bread of life and he is the one whose life will be laid down as a sacrifice for our sins. And God is up to something in and through 
the life of Jesus. So this Christmas Sunday, as you're celebrating, as you're gathering with friends and family, as you're eating great food and as you're opening gifts, I just want to challenge you to remember why we're celebrating and to remember what we're celebrating and who we're celebrating. We are celebrating that God himself has come and dwelled among us in and through the life of his son, Jesus Christ, that the word has become flesh and dwelt among us, that Jesus saw us and came and found us where we are and provided a way to restore relationship with our Heavenly Father. That is the story of Christmas. God is with us. He is the bread of life. He is the source of eternal life. And He is the place where heaven and nature meet. He is the point and the center of where God and human beings can be reconciled and come together. Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus, the Son of God. God with us. Spend some time today in prayer, reading the scriptures together, worshiping together, spending time celebrating and remembering just what God has done through us, through His Son, Jesus. Merry, Merry Christmas. True. 
love and his gospel is peace chain shall he thing before we go, I want to let you know about something coming up at Believers Fellowship next month. Beginning on January 1st, our church is going to endeavor on a 21-day season of fasting and prayer. We're going to start on January 1st, the first week with a social media or media fast, find some way to kind of disconnect from technology and refocus on prayer and spending time with the Lord and drawing closer to the Lord. The second week, we're asking our church folks to do a modified Daniel fast and spend some time. Daniel fast is normally just kind of cutting out meats and sweets and focusing uh, and, and kind of cutting out some of the extras in our diet to spend some time with the Lord and refocus our, our bodies and our minds and our hearts on the Lord. And then that last third week of January, we're asking everyone to do either a full fast or a one meal a day fast, whatever works best for you and whatever is healthy for you. But all of this is about reset setting for the year, drawing close to the Lord, 
and preparing for our winter revival that begins January 22nd. So the 1st through the 21st, we're going to be fasting together. And then on Sunday, the 22nd, we're coming together that morning and that evening. And then the rest of that week to just go after God and have an encounter with the Lord. So come and join us for winter revival January 22nd through the 25th at 6.30 p.m. each night. We've got an amazing lineup of guest speakers that are coming. We're going to have powerful, dynamic worship. And we're believing God for a move of the Holy Spirit here in our services in January. So I want to invite you, if you don't have a home church or if this is your home church or you haven't been to church in a long time, this month, this coming January, make a new commitment to church and to the Lord. So be with us all month long. Fast with us the first 21 days of January and then be ready to go because God is going to pour out his spirit during our winter revival starting on January 22nd. And we want you to be a part of it. So be praying for us and be just building up faith and expectation for what God is about to do. Again, hope you have a Merry Christmas. Share this video, comment, like it, chat with us. Let us know how we can pray for you and have a happy new year. We'll see you next week, next Sunday, January 1st at 10.30 a.m. right here in the sanctuary at Believer's Fellowship. We love you.